values, and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. I don't think it was a secret that uh, Congressman Ruben Gallego was considering a run or that was going to run. I don't think anybody's surprised at an announcement that Congressman Ruben Gallego was going to run for the United States Senate. I don't think it's a surprise to anyone at all. I do think it's a surprise that it's done this early. And uh, he had talked about that, and we'll get into it, and I'll let you hear it. Arizona's Morning News had a great interview with him this morning. We reached out to Congressman Gallego's office, and hopefully in the next couple of days we can get him on the show and talk to him about this decision to run. Um, there's a lot of implications, I think, politically that we have to talk about with this, and there always are. And I think they're considered behind the scenes. Um, there's a lot of consideration that goes on into a run for public office. There are, rarely is a decision like this made casually. Um, he is already well-respected in his district as a congressman. He is well-respected by his caucus in the United States House of Representatives. So um, he is risking a lot by doing this because by running for a Senate seat, he is giving up his House seat. Not the end of the political world if he doesn't win, but it is a risk nonetheless. Uh, Greg Stanton, Congressman Greg Stanton, who was former Phoenix mayor, also a member of Congress of the House of Representatives, was asked. He said he's not running, but we've got an announcement this morning by Congressman Ruben Gallego. What are some of the political implications here? And uh, there are a couple of things. It, it is it is tough. Um, you have. Uh, you have someone like Congressman Gallego who is now going to jump in. They asked him about – and I'm jumping around. This is not in chronological order in the interview. But they talked to him about his political leanings. Is he too far left for Arizona? Is Arizona a red state? Is it a purple state? Is it a blue state? Is he too blue for Arizona? Pundits uh, don't reflect Arizona voters. Uh, at the end of the day, when I talk about my values, when I talk about the American dream and how everybody deserves that right, to have the opportunity to American dream, I think that's going to communicate a lot more than these stupid labels. And again, I think that's a smart thing to say, and I'll tell you why. Senator Cinema showed a new path for people running for office if they are if they lean left and they live in a place that has been classically leaning right, and that is independence. Now she has shifted her par- her party affiliation. She is no longer party affiliated. She is an independent senator in the United States Senate, which means there will also be a Republican candidate in this. So Congressman Gallego talking about labels, but here's the issue. He will be running for – now, he's not going to have a primary opponent, but he is going to have – I don't think he'll have a primary opponent. He might. I, I, I can't imagine he will. But um, if he does, he is running for the Democratic nomination for the United States Senate. The Democratic Party in Arizona still leans way left, just like the Republican Party in Arizona as a party – leans right. There is a disconnect in my opinion. I've talked about my own party. I'm not a Democrat. I can't speak for them. I can only show you what I see in them and how the similarities with my party. There, in my opinion, has been a disconnect in party leadership and party voters. My example I used for a long time was Senator John McCain and Republicans that are diehard GOP, AZ GOP, diehards in leadership don't like to acknowledge this, but it is a fact. That while the Maricopa County Republican Party was censuring John McCain, while you had people saying, if you're a McCain Republican, get the hell out, while people were excoriating from the Republican point of view John McCain, John McCain was winning reelections in both the primaries and in general elections against Democrat opponents by double digits. 
So when you have primary challengers and your party doesn't like you, but the party voters, the registered Republican voters going to vote in primaries are voting for you by double digits, there's a disconnect between party affiliation, party leadership, and party voters. It's not good or bad. It's just an acknowledgement that that's what's happening. Well, if you look at what happened with the Democrats, Senator Sinema was very outspoken about the Biden administration and their their uh, failed uh, how their failures on the border. Most uh, publicly, she talked about not ending the filibuster, and her party censured her in the state of Arizona. So now, the big fear will be: Will there be some moderate Democrats that still love her, that vote for her? And is Ruben Gallego, Congressman Gallego, going to siphon off so many votes from her that neither one of them can win? The Ross Perot effect from when Bill Clinton won his first term as president of the United States where Ross Perot siphoned enough votes away from Bush 41, H.W. Bush, uh, when he was able to siphon off enough votes that Bill Clinton won that election. That's a concern. There's no doubt. But there's other implications. Um both Senator Cinema and Senator Kelly have been critical of the Biden administration. Um, will Congressman Gallego be critical of the Biden administration on the border issue, but will he get the endorsement of the president? What about our governor? Our governor is uh, is a Democrat. Will she support Ruben Gallego over Senator Cinema? And what that the political implications there are still exist because if if he does not win and Senator Cinema holds on and she does win, if you've been the opponent, that's a tough place to be. So all of these political implications play in this. But I again, he's well respected in his caucus. There's no doubt about it that the uh, the Democrats in the House of Representatives have hold Ruben Gallego in high regard. He's a veteran. He's got that on his side. He served as a Marine. He is a Marine. Um, he is going to have that on his side. He is going to raise a lot of money between now and then. There will be a lot of Democrats across the country, not just in Arizona, that don't like the stand that Senator Sinema has taken. But again, you saw what Senator Sinema was able to do in winning a seat as a Democrat in a state that hadn't had a Democrat senator in, what, 70 years or whatever it was. Um, so this was a big accomplishment for her. She is very popular in a room full of people. This, to me, is going to be very fascinating. And the biggest fascination for me is going to be who the Republicans run. Because we have no idea who that's going to be. There are going to be some names you recognize that jump in or jump in again to run for the Senate seat. And there are going to be some newcomers that jump in there and run for that. Will the Republican nominee have an inside track because the Republican nominee is going to win over, they know, right-leaning independents and the Republican Party? You're not going to have many crossovers that go to the, either of the two. That's going to be the fascinating part of this. But the future of Arizona's political you know, leanings – Maybe not on the line, but I'll tell you that the makeup of the United States Senate surely will be will be very interesting to see. Um, we got to talk about classified documents. Another round of classified documents found at the home, the Delaware home of the president. Who's calling for a deeper investigation? Might surprise you. We'll talk about it coming up here in just a moment. Values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. Appreciate you spending time with us here on the show. 
The golf tournament hailed as the People's Open returns to the TPC of Scottsdale. It's the WM Phoenix Open. Tees off on February 6th and runs through February 12th. Head over to the contest page at KTAR.com right now for your chance to win tickets. Plus, one lucky winner will win Greenskeeper Passes. Very cool event. Um, Hear a little bit about what's going on. There is an update. Justin Finch, ABC. The search of the president's home in Delaware reaps more documents. This past Friday, the Justice Department searched Biden's home for 13 hours, finding six items with classification markings, some dating back to his time as a senator. Biden authorized the search and was not home at the time. Experts say if Biden did not voluntarily allow the FBI into his home, the special counsel appointed by the attorney general would have likely pursued a subpoena or search warrant. So there is there are now even even prominent Democrats that are saying there needs to be a probe here that this needs to be looked into. Now let's not forget that the president of the United States was asked about this when there were documents taken from Trump's home and pictures showing classified documents that were kept in the home but in an unsecured place in the former president's home. Um, he called it irresponsible, couldn't believe it, national security risks. This is what happens when you play politics, when you get involved into this. Now it's it's on your doorstep. It is on your doorstep. Whether you like it or not, there are people out there that say it's completely different and Biden's cooperating. Well, let's be fair. Um, they knew about this. America didn't. But behind the scenes, the Biden administration, people from the FBI and the Justice Department were aware of these documents on November 2nd before the midterm elections. No American outside of that that small group of people heard about this until the middle of January. So there is politics involved here. As a matter of fact, this is Chuck Silverstone from ABC talking about how people view the document situation of the former president and the current president. 77 percent say former President Trump acted inappropriately in the way he handled classified files. 64 percent say the same of President Biden. This in a new ABC News Ipsos poll. Most Republicans responding say Mr. Biden's handling was inappropriate. Few Democrats do. Among independent voters, 83 percent say Mr. Trump's behavior was inappropriate. 66 percent say Mr. Biden's was. So, again, perception is reality. This has nothing to do with the legal system. This has everything to do with public opinion and public support. So uh, this is a great question. What's funny is I've asked the question right after this was re, re, uh, released about or revealed, I should say, about the president and his actions as former president and possibly as senator. I asked the question, what we should be asking as the American people is how often does this happen? How often does this happen? Is this a rare occurrence where these two people just happen to get caught up in inappropriate behavior? Or is this a common practice and a common thing that happens and we're just hearing about it now? And it is does matter. Well, it's interesting because a lot of the uh, alphabet networks and the cable networks were saying this happens all the time. Now, all of a sudden. When President Trump, when it happened at his house, they had to storm the gates. They had to go and get them because it was a national security risk. And, oh, my gosh, this is horrible. And now that it's happening with President Biden, it's a rare or it's, it happens all the time. And it was locked in the garage with the Corvette. And it isn't that big of a deal. It was a big deal. And I will say I mean this very seriously. 
if it's a big deal, and I think that it is, when a former president has documents that the National Archives want back and they refuse to give them back, and now the Justice Department and the legal system has to decide, did the former president have a right to declassify those documents and have them, or was the National Archives with the FBI justified in going to get them? If the president, the former president, and Donald Trump broke the law, he should be held accountable for that. But when a couple of months later we are finding back uh, finding out that going back to the days when he was a United States senator he has documents whether he personally remembered they were there or not he took documents that are classified that he didn't have the ability to declassify because only the president can do that he had them long before he was president so there's a lot to answer for on both sides and unless we drop the politics as Americans and say what's good for the goose if President Trump needs to be hung by the yardarm, so does President Biden. If one of them is guilty of crimes that compromise the national security of the other uh, United States, so does the other. Now, you hear so many CNN, I saw it three times on CNN this weekend. Maybe it was, maybe I saw the same thing three different times, but I saw it three times this weekend. CNN now, and I can't remember the term they were using, that this is a common practice, that this happens all the time. So now they even have a phrase for it. There wasn't one whiff of that when President Trump was compromising national security. That's the problem I have with this. If both are guilty, both should be held accountable and be punished. If it's a common occurrence and they just needed the documents back and it was just a non-story, then it should have been a non-story for both people. What's fair for one is fair for the other because it's got to be fair to the American people. Why did a former United States senator, why did a former vice president have classified documents in an unsecured location at multiple places in his multiple homes? Why did a former president of the United States have documents in an unsecured location at his home in Florida that he was asked to return by the federal government and he was denying access to those documents and the FBI went and got them? Those are both fair questions. I don't care what political party you're from. Let those questions be answered in front of the American people and let the American people decide what was right and wrong. This idea of one set of rules for one and one set of rules for the other is a joke. It's just a joke. There was a deadly shooting in Monterey Park during Lunar New Year celebration. We're going to talk about mass shootings and we're going to talk about guns because it's back. We're going to talk about it all next. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show. KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. Appreciate you spending some time with the show. Um, A lot of things going on this weekend. And one of the biggest news stories, unfortunately, had to do with um, a shooting that happened um, at this Lunar New Year um, celebration in which um, these uh, so many people were murdered. And uh, they had an active shooter situation. Uh, The person took his own life. They were able to stop this. Um, But I wanted to have a bigger conversation because also there was an officer involved shooting in Atlanta that had spiraled into protests that became violent. A police vehicle was set on fire and – 
the bigger conversation here, I, I was a part of a, of a, of an event on Friday. I wasn't here on Friday because I was honored. Um, and I don't use that word very often, but I was. It was a, it was a panel discussion put on by the Phoenix Police Foundation and it involved the chief of police, Chief Sullivan, the new police chief in Phoenix, um, Rachel Mitchell, the county attorney, uh, the special agent in charge of the Phoenix field office for the FBI, and an attorney named Josh who was um, was a Yavapai County attorney, but he had spent 23 years as a Navy SEAL and then went to law school, and then he became a private attorney working in a prosecutorial role, and now he's in private practice. And it was just a, a wealth of information on leadership and policing and questions about policing. And one of the things that was mentioned, um, and I brought it up, but it was expanded upon by the police chief that, you know, we really, this is my opinion. This was not coming from the police chief. I'm telling you what my opinion is. I want to make sure I'm not mixing opinions. Um, that the focus needs to be on people that shouldn't have guns. And I know that sounds very simplistic, but the idea of blanket gun laws added to existing gun laws that are going to stop bad people is self-defeating because we know that these people with guns are already breaking the existing laws and they don't care about them. That's the frustration that comes from gun owners like myself. We want to see the violence and the senseless violence, whether it's with a gun or something else, we want to see it stop as well. I can promise you that. We want to see it stop as well. And we are not choosing our rights over dead children. If you believe that, you're too far gone in the in conversation to have a conversation with. You're dead set on who you are and who I am, and you're wrong about who I am, but I'm never going to convince you otherwise. But what was interesting in this conversation is that I want you to contemplate this. To, to This complements my opinion. Last year, there were 11 Phoenix police officers that were shot in the line of duty. 11. There Recently this year, there has been one Scottsdale sergeant who was killed in – or not killed. I'm so sorry. He was injured in Phoenix, wounded in a gun battle in Phoenix, making an arrest, a search warrant, and a, a, a warrant arrest. And that suspect ended up dying in a gunfight with the police. In all cases, that would be 12, you know, 12 officers being shot just in, in between Scottsdale and Phoenix in, in, in this amount of time. And in every one of those situations, in every single one of those situations, the person that shot the police officer was a prohibited possessor, meaning they were not allowed to have guns, that the law already mandates that they don't aren't they don't own firearms. They don't possess firearms. They're not around firearms. So I would say to you that as tragic as these things are, um, this is where it gets frustrating because in this case, um, the shooter, this is Alex Stone from ABC. This guy didn't have a criminal record. Law enforcement sources are telling ABC News it appears a 72-year-old shooter had no criminal history. Nothing has been found on him. One possible motive investigators are looking at is domestic violence. The shooter may have been angry at his wife, but investigators say that has not yet been firmly found to have been the motive and that they have more work to do. And that's the frustration is because in many cases, and I just told you about 11 officers being shot. Now, it wasn't 11 separate incidents, but it was 11 officers that in every one of those cases, the person that did the shooting was not supposed to own a firearm. It was they were already a prohibited possessor. We understand that there are going to be people that have no criminal record that really have no history with the legal system. But there are people around them that may see things that are going on. Um, Marjorie, the, the uh, was it is it Marjorie Stoneman? 
Douglas High School in South Florida, where the mass shooting happens on that high school campus. Um, those students knew who the guy was. When it happened, they knew it was going to be him. He had a reputation. Um, so I don't know how it's frustrating for me because I don't know how we're going to have a reasonable conversation about things without screaming at each other and throwing stones and making our points and one-upping each other. But my frustration comes from wanting to solve the problem and knowing for a fact that it's not going to be infringing upon the Second Amendment rights of law-abiding citizens that's going to solve this problem. We have a problem that's much deeper. We have a problem with repeat offenders. We have a problem with repeat offenders that are getting their hands on illegal guns. And we also have a problem with a system that when we lock people up in prison, they're locked away for a long time sometimes, but there is nothing that changes their behavior before they're set loose on society again. So how do we balance that once you've paid your debt to society, you're entitled to have your freedom back? At the same time, the recidivism rate and the rate of, of violent criminals remaining violent stays so dramatically high. Going after because what I've been doing and I, you know, you accumulate stories over and over again because there's a story that says here's a list of all of the mass shootings that have happened recently. Well, if we were to put together a stories uh, that said here are the situations where legal gun owners have saved lives by disarming or or eliminating a threat before the police got there. We can do that anecdotally to each other all the time. I can point out to you that if you were to take the guns of the average person, then the average person wouldn't be able to intervene and we're all sitting ducks. We've seen this in cities that have the most strict gun laws, whether it's Washington, D.C. or Chicago or wherever they are. We are seeing an uptick in crime when the citizenry is largely disarmed. Now, Arizona has its share of crime and it has been climbing in violent crimes. But I will say to you, I feel very safe almost everywhere in the state of Arizona. Um, I know many people just like myself that are firearms owners. We take it very seriously um, because we're the norm. We are not the exception to the rule. We take it seriously. We make sure that we're able to protect ourselves. We are marginally repa- uh, prepared at best. I don't know if you can ever prepare for that situation fully, but we train in the sense that we prepare ourselves that if we're faced with danger, if we are faced with a life-threatening situation, how do we respond? The things I've thought of that I've learned from my friends that are police officers, I've talked about the training that police officers go through in which they are taught to expand their peripheral vision, meaning it's you get tunnel vision. If there's someone with a gun, you see that person with a gun. You don't see the innocent people around them that could be hurt by gunfire or by a stray bullet. You don't see the surroundings. You're not paying attention to what's around you. So police officers train in that moment to keep their peripheral vision and to see what's going on around them and assess the threat to innocent people and take that into consideration before you use a firearm. All that is the truth. And as a civilian, I don't ever want to brandish a firearm. So I don't train nearly as often as a police officer because they're a lot more likely to face that scenario. But these are things that I've been through and things that I, I focus on because I don't want to be in a situation like that and not be ready to do it the right way. And I'm telling you, if you're someone that's a gun control advocate, I certainly don't expect you to change your mind based on what I just said, other than I'll say this. Follow up with people you know that are gun owners. Not just what you read and the um, 
what you would call anecdotal evidence of a story that talks about the dangers of guns or whatever else. Talk to gun owners about who they are and why they are and at least be educated about what you're against. That's all. In a moment, uh, why will your tax refund be lower this next year? And we'll talk about the economy, the housing market in Phoenix. Not so bad. We'll talk about it in a moment. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks so much for being here. A story out about the possibility of your tax returns being lower this time around. I want you to hear just a little bit about this. Why will some people's tax returns or tax refunds actually be lower this year than they've been in the last couple? A lot of people are going to see smaller refunds this year than they did in years past, especially during the pandemic, because a lot of the credits that came along as a result of the pandemic are now rolling back. So, for example, that child tax credit returning to its 2019 levels, the earned income tax credit that is returning to the 2019 level. So part of it has to do with COVID relief, which needs to go away. We have a lot of money going into our economy that needs to stop if we're going to slow the economy without going into a recession. I asked the question earlier about this because I do think that part of this is frustrating, that when the government is taking in record revenues, why are you not lowering taxes for the American people and allowing them to keep more of their money so it's easier for them to survive? Um But it's an interesting take, at least. One of the other things that was an economic story that I thought was great, this is from AZ Central. This was uh, yesterday. Um, One Phoenix area housing market is already back to favoring home sellers. Uh, House hunters hoping to take advantage of buyer's market in Metro Phoenix might have missed their chance. Several Phoenix area cities that were buyer's markets only a few months ago have shifted back back to seller's markets and are now balanced instead of heavily favoring buyers. Buyers. So they're talking about the recovery in some of the median home districts and some of the zip codes. A lot of this has to do, I think, with two separate things that are happening. One of them is where we have been as an economy is we're in a much better place. We have brought in high-paying jobs into the valley as compared to what we've done in the past, number one. But number two, because we're growing – We are still a destination where there is still pressure on building more homes. Uh, We had the Senate president in – I'm talking about the Arizona State Legislature, the Senate president in last week, and he was talking about a relief plan for inflation and some of the things that we can do here as a state because it's mostly a federal issue. And he's someone that is very familiar because he's been in the home building industry for so long, talking about the extended period of time from when you buy a piece of dirt until you can get all of the permitting done to actually build a home and move into it, where it used to take about six or seven months here in the state of Arizona. Now that is drawn out on average to about three years. The red tape that's in the way is just monotonous. So there's a lot that needs to be done so that we can have the homes that are needed for the people that are moving here. It's still a good issue. When you look at the economy, I would say, and I'm not an economist, but just from the naked eyes view, 
The biggest purchase that most people ever make is the purchase of a home. It is the American dream to be a homeowner. It's still as cliche as it sounds. It goes back to your grandparents and my grandparents owning a home, owning a piece of real estate that's yours. I don't care if it's a condo when I say real estate. Owning a piece of real estate that's yours is still the American dream. And when you have home prices remaining stable, we are not seeing what we saw in 2008 with the housing crash and foreclosures and short sales and people running. And then in the income, the cash investors that buy low, they sell them at a higher price years later. Homes in neighborhoods. Another thing about this, there's nothing wrong with renters at all. It is when you have entire neighborhoods where families live there for years and years and years. Now they're being bought up by out-of-state investors, and now they're turned into rental properties. It changes the dynamic of a, of a neighborhood. I'm not saying it crashes the neighborhood. It changes the dynamic of a, of a neighborhood and a community. We're not seeing those massive changes right now, and I think that's good for us. Now, if you're someone that's looking to jump into the housing market, things seem to be better. It's not going through the roof like it was. It's not an expectation that you're, gonna, you're going to bid thousands and sometimes tens of thousands of dollars over asking price, and a cash buyer is going to get it out from under you, and how are you going to come up with a down payment? It's not as bad as it was, but we are still seeing it remain stable and strong. That's a good news for the overall economy that we're not seeing it go that direction. Um, I talked about ESG earlier, and ESG, very quickly, is the environmental, social, and governance. It is um, the idea that money managers or people in the government, that money managers are going to invest in companies that are environmentally friendly, according to the people and with all due respect, the people that are the climate change activists. So if you're not seen as having the right carbon footprint, they're pulling their investments from your company so that you're almost being forced by virtue of the dollar. But it, it, that, forget what the companies are doing. It's not about them necessarily. What it is, it's about the people that are investing and having their hard-earned money invested for their future. This is what bothers me about this ESG, that you know, in many cases, the best performing stocks over the last couple of years when there's been so much turmoil has been the fossil fuel industry, the oil industry, Exxon, Mobil, those companies. And if you're a company that says, well, I don't like your carbon footprint, so I'm not investing my client's money in your company. If I'm someone that's one of those customers, I'm furious. I want to retire too. So just because you don't like their carbon footprint or their political stance on something, even though they're a profitable company that fits right into the wheelhouse of why you should be investing in them and advising your clients to invest in them, you're changing your mind because of climate change. I will say again, this is a White House policy on ESG and how it might be changing for money managers, and it is another reality that this president, this administration – sees every decision it makes through the prism of climate change. It is the number one issue for this administration. Number one. And it's fine for the president to do this, but when you were talking about companies and future investment, I think it's very, very scary. We're going to talk about the U.S. military here in just a couple of moments. Stick around.